0: Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. This last last week, I was going through some of the books that we have here um, at the church and at the Parsonage. and It was neat. I was able to go through a couple of our old Bibles that are here and there are some family names in these bibles that you guys may remember Um, here's one um, Olive Kimmer anybody remember the Kimmer family Olive Kimmer this is this is one of them Um, here's one uh, Ruth Ellen Kelsey Ruth Ellen this would have been Morris's mother correct Placed here in loving memory of Ruth Ellen Kelsey, November 2nd. Uh, she was uh, alive from November 2nd, 1927, to November 21st, 1998, to the Fairmount Friends Meeting. Um, kind of a pretty neat Bible to have here. And here's another one. This one is a is a pretty pretty neat one. 1938. Um, and I was just talking with Jim about this. The, the, the Whitleys are here. It's pretty neat to see them. They're back. and um, It was uh, Margaret, is it Newland? Woolen? Woolen, okay. DM Woolen and Margaret Woolen. Anybody remember those names? The Woolens? Do you, Don? Okay. Margaret, Margaret yeah, okay. So, kind of some fun. History that we have here isn't history. Pretty, uh, pretty neat. Also, Cindy Gross and her family, I mean, she is showing out today with some family here. And Cindy, we've got a pretty fun thing that's about to happen. Um, and yeah, Andrea, are you able to grab that mic and send it back? Um, Cindy, would you be willing just to introduce a few of your family members and say what's about to go down today? Today um, is going to be a baptism. My grandson <laughs> has decided to give his life to the Lord. Come on, that's awesome. <laughs> I have with me my three sons, Joshua, Matthew, and Isaiah, and their children. Um, there's Benjamin, Oliver, Henry, Josiah, and Lila's downstairs. So I also have Kevin and Ashley and Maddie and Ryan here, and of course, JC. So. Love it. Most of us are accounted for. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Isn't it neat to see that Christ is alive and moving and changing hearts and changing lives? And um, Alyssa's testimony this morning that God's moving in, in our family and um, yeah, just cool, neat to see. I'm um, gonna say, say a special hey to um, to who's watching is Mary Francis and and Reese. Um, I'll say hey to Reese, but I'm mainly talking to Mary, and she's getting a kick out of it right now as so I wave to, wave to her, and uh, she's on uh, she's doing well. So, and I also wanted to say, Pam, this morning you're like Superwoman over there she's got half of the children's ministry on this front row and how you pulled that off was impressive. Um, that was pretty, pretty neat. Um, Heath and Pam have the heart of God whenever it comes to the children of God and they take in kids through uh, fostering and then they move into adoption and just two weeks ago um, had another adoption and they are amazing. Um, and if you don't know them, you need to know them, because they deploy an insane amount of the heart of God towards people that are in need of family, and that are in need of a father and a mother, and Pam, it was it's always fun to see you, but you were, you were doing what you do this morning, and it was awesome. Um, we'll dive into our message here, and uh, through the month of July, we want to focus in on uh, having a message geared towards faith. And to inspire our faith, to encourage our faith, for us to gain some ground and to go to new places in our faith, to maybe take some steps perhaps that we haven't taken before, maybe to be obedient in places we know God is calling us to, but we're just playing it safe and maybe playing small. That perhaps God is asking you, come on, let's take a Take a little walk with me, and I would love to take you on a great adventure. Many times, the best life is just on the other side of obedience. And if we would just say yes, he's going to lead us into a pretty cool story. There's been a couple walks that I've taken in life that have been significant to me. One in particular, um, Alyssa and I were about to make a big decision, and um, we go for a walk. And we're thinking about transitioning life from where we were, in Crown Point as youth pastors and making a a move to a new place that we didn't know where we were going. And as we're going down this walk, and I still remember as we're going down this walk of of Main Street, and we're pushing our stroller, and Judah's not strapped in because we don't like (laughs) seatbelts. Judah starts climbing up the stroller As he is looking at us, and our hearts are heavy. Where do we go? What do we do? Y'all know whenever there's a decision that's just kind of sitting in your belly for weeks, if not months. And you know that the decision has to be made, but you just don't know what it is. And we knew that coming in, and it's like, God, we don't want a ton of options. We just want the one option. We just want some clarity. What is it that you're calling us to do? And so it looked like potentially moving our family across the country to Louisiana to New Orleans and we're like what are we thinking why would we even do this and that's a big step out and like we are from Rigdon and we play it small and we play it safe um, and we don't go to, to big, big bad New Orleans like that's just like a terrible idea. And, but we're feeling like maybe God is moving in our hearts and he's stirring something. And then we think, but we've got this little one year old boy and, like, you know, what do we do about that? And we have no family and we know no one. And, like, what are we thinking? And Judah climbs up out of the the stroller and he looks up at us and he goes, (laughs) Da! And we melt and we're holding hands as we push the stroller and we're like, we're going to be fine because home is wherever we are and we will do it and God will be with us and we'll just see and there was just joy all of a sudden all of the worry just turned into this childlike faith like ah, I don't know where we're going but I'm cool because you're my parents and you're for me I'm sure you're gonna feed me and life will be great and there was just this joy in trusting the father that he'll he'll be good And he'll provide. And wherever I'm at, he's with me. And and it really was Judah's joy and the simplicity of his response of just trust. He didn't know what he was doing. He probably had gas. (laughs) He was just like, oh, that felt better. (laughs) But I'm with my dad. And as long as I keep my eyes fixed on my father's face, I'm going to be smiling and life is good. That was a good walk that we had. Recently, I've been getting up a little bit early, and I go for walks, and I'll go over here to the park in Fairmount. And I'll take Wrigley with me. And so we'll go, and we'll walk. And and as soon as I pull this thing out, Wrigley goes bonkers. He knows exactly what this thing means. And as soon as I grab the leash, his booty is shaking, and he's knocking over chairs with his tail. I mean, he is wild, and amped, and he is excited to go. And I'll just I'll just hold this. And rarely do I even use it because I'll go out there early. There's not a lot of people out there. And so we'll just he just kind of runs and he just goes for it. So as I've been walking with Wrigley, you know that whenever he gets going and all the energy gets going, that he's going to have to go to the bathroom. Okay? And so as he's going to the bathroom, I make sure that I bring one of these. All right, y'all know what one of these are maybe if you live in town. If you live in the country, you don't care. Just let them go. But in, in town, we do this thing where we actually have to like, pick up our dog's stuff afterwards. It's embarrassing for all of us, even the dog. He's like doing his thing, and he's like, oh, this is embarrassing. Um, so I, so I, take, I take one of these with me. But you never can fully trust Wrigley, and so I take a second one. And I make sure that if he doesn't get it all out in the first one, I got, I got a second one. Ready. So I take out two of these bags, all right? And as we're going, he must be just working overtime. Because I go through one and throw it away. I go through two and throw it away. But he doesn't go once, and he doesn't go twice. Wrigley goes a third time. And I don't know about you, but I kind of like it when people clean up after their dog. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're an embarrassment to our family. And like, this is like, son, I'm like, ah, what do I do? And he's just like going. And you know that dog look whenever they go and they're kind of like looking over at you and they're like doing one of those things. I'm like, like, ah, I'm looking at you like that. Like, gee whiz, this is my dog. And I picked one, two bags, but he went a third time. Ah, I wish I would have had a third bag. But I don't have a third bag on this particular one. And usually, we're the only people out there, except for this walk. And I see this guy coming in the distance, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I can feel his eyes of condemnation. looking down on me, and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something, like, what do I do? And so I grab a stick, and I act like I'm kind of bending over and, like, playing around with it, and I'm like, you know, would you just kind of, like, roll it, or, like, just throw some grass on it? Like, my mind is wondering, like, how do I get away from this? Do I, like, run over and, like, fake a, a Charlie horse, and then, hey, come over here, help me stretch my leg. I'm thinking of everything I can do to distract, because this matters to me, that we pick up and keep our park clean. If you ever step in something, it's not me, okay? Um, and so I'm just wondering what to do. And I come to this point of decision. I got to bare hand this thing. <laughs> you got to do it, man. at some point, it's, whether it's parenting a child or an animal, you got to own the, the mess. And so I've got to own this moment. And I'm trying to, like, do this thing, and I see him coming, and I'm like, okay, I got to get to a trash can. So I take off running to the school, and I go to the school. Guess what? No trash can. I take off around the corner, and as I round the corner, I'm looking, no trash can. So I take over to the baseball diamond, to the field. Finally, the big dumpster, right? It's locked. I'm like, oh, I'm like, got a heater, like, help me, somebody. And I keep like running around. I'm like, oh my gosh, please, can somebody leave a trash can somewhere for moments like this whenever a guy doesn't have an extra bag? So finally, run over to the park and find one. And then I go to the bathrooms. Locked. Can't wash my hands. So when it's this early in the morning, there's still dew on the grass the only water I have. So I'm trying to wash my hands on the dew on the grass and clean it up. And I'm like looking at Wrigley like, you gotta be kidding me, bro. Like seriously, was working overtime. I don't know what you had for breakfast. So kind of clean off my hands and then um and then I, I made it to church on time this morning. And so if I greeted you this morning, <laughs> sorry. There's some walks that you just remember a little bit more than others. I will not forget that walk. There's a couple times we see God take some walks. One of the first times we see God walking is he comes to have a pretty tough walk where he visits Adam and Eve. It says in Genesis 3, in the cool of the day, it says that God walked through the garden. He was looking for them to find them. Abraham, he took a pretty tough walk with his son Isaac, as uh, as they walked the road of Moriah, Moses he took a couple people, a couple million people, on a walk through the Red Sea, and then a painful long walk for 40 years through the wilderness. We see Joshua and his troops; they took a triumphant walk around the walls of Jericho. Jesus took a walk. Where he revealed himself to some disciples on the road to Emmaus. The Apostle Paul, he had a walk that was interrupted on the road to Damascus. There was a walk that was so gruesome and so beautiful. The God man took a walk up the Mount of Golgotha. This road was so painful, it even has its own name. It's called Via de Rosa. It means the way of the suffering or the road of many sorrows. But perhaps the most unforgettable walk in all of Scripture was taken by Peter the day that he got out of the boat and he walked on water. It's unforgettable not just because of that he went on a walk, but it's what he walked on and it's who he walked with that sets this walk So far different than maybe any other walk that we see in Scripture. And there's a Bible verse that we want to read. And jump with me to Matthew chapter 14. Here is one of the books that I'm pulling from. This is John Ortberg. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Also, I wanted to show you that I am an old dog that can learn new tricks. And so after Wrigley schooled me, um, I started bringing more bags. <laughs> so we have these bags, and we have these bags, and I have grocery sacks. I mean, he is not going to outperform me. I am going to be <laughs> ready. I, now when we do grocery, it's like always get the plastic bag because we're always going to have We're always going to need more, and so we have, this is the Wrigley dish right here. We're always going to have enough. But this is a good book to read this story about this walk that Peter goes on. Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to, to dive in. Just give you a little bit of history about who this Jesus man is. Jesus is a rabbi, okay? So one of the greatest things that you could do or accomplish if you were a young Hebrew young man is you wanted to be picked by a rabbi. You wanted a rabbi to to walk into your world and say, hey, come and be with me and learn from me. Like That is every Hebrew young man's dream. It is like you are following these guys on Instagram, you are all over their Twitter, and you are following them, hoping that they would pick you as these influencers that would invite you in a little bit deeper and teach and train you in their ways. And if a rabbi picked you, it meant... That he believed in you and he believed that one day he could train you up enough that you could actually be like him. So he would reproduce himself in eight to 12 people at a time. He could reproduce his own life so then he would call you to follow him. And so Jesus calls 12 of these guys to then follow him. And now we see that they would follow him everywhere. The intensity of this call for these young Hebrew boys to follow their rabbi, wherever this guy went, you would watch him and you would learn him. You would watch and see how did he say that? How did he respond there? How did, how did he pause when he was speaking and teaching? What's his joy like? How did he, not just that he told a joke, how did he tell the joke? They would study this guy. They followed him everywhere. Listen, even to the bathroom. And I'm not trying to be funny. Like, they never, he never left their sight. They were always with him, always watching him. So when Jesus said, hey, come and follow me, and, and they're like, Jesus, where do you live? He's like, well, come on, let's, let's see. Come and be with me. Come and, let, let, we're just going to always be together. And these guys had an intensity of being together. So here we see Jesus. He's got these disciples This is chapter 14. There's 28 chapters in Matthew. So this is in the halfway point. This is chapter 14. You ever been in the middle of something? Just like right smack dab in the middle. And this is the middle of Matthew's account of Jesus' life. And in Matthew chapter 14, we see just like a pretty wide breadth of what Jesus has to deal with. Starts off with... The loss of his cousin, John the Baptist is beheaded by Herod and it says that then word comes back to Jesus and he hears what's going on and, and, and Jesus is left like hurting and crushed in his spirit. The loss of a friend and the loss of a, of a cousin, the Bible even just you know, talks about the heaviness of Jesus. Then we see that Jesus is moving and people are following him. 5,000 men that are there, plus women and children. We're probably talking 15,000, 20,000 people are here, and they're all hungry. And Jesus tells his guys, hey, walk through the crowd and see if we've got any remnants of anything. They find a boy with like a couple McFish fillets, five loaves of bread and a couple fish to make a fish sandwich. It's like Jesus. This is all we've got, and Jesus does an unbelievable miracle. You go from from mourning to miracle. You go from heartbreak and loss. Do you ever just feel like you're in the middle? It's like it's good and it's bad and it's tough and it's ah, it's all of it, all at the same time. Then we catch ourselves. We pick up in the story in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples. Get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I understand this, Pastor Angie. You probably understand this a little bit. This is like Jesus after Sunday morning church. You're trying to dismiss the crowd. You're like, hey, hey guys, I know we got lunch plans. Go ahead. I'll I'll catch up. All right? So he tells the disciples, hey, I got to dismiss the crowd. These guys want to talk a little bit. I got to shut the building down. I got to turn the lights off. um, And I'll just catch up with you. So he sends them on their way. After that, in verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. I don't know why, but that word alone is just so emotional. When I read the Bible and there's stuff where it says that Jesus, the God-man, he's here on the earth and he's alone. I just stop and pause. There's times where you see that in Scripture, and I think about Jesus just being here but being alone. What's his thought life? like? What is? I know what my thought life can be whenever I'm alone. What's Jesus' thought life? Does God, the Father, just come and sit with him on top of that mountain? And he's just with his dad. He's like, jeez, what a day. Huh? (laughs) How did we get through this day? This was a tough one. Maybe just processing life with his boy, I don't know, but Jesus finds himself alone and he's trying to maybe just recoup, reconnect before he re-engages with other people. Verse 24, On the, and the boat was already a considerable a distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. The boat is heading across the Sea of, of Galilee and, and the Gospel of John, it says specifically they were traveling to Capernaum as they're crossing the Sea of of Galilee and and John he actually says that they were traveling five that the boat was already five to six kilometers out from land out on the sea so Jesus has to do a 5k just to catch up with them all right so he's going to do three to four miles between five and six kilometers just to get where these guys are Jesus didn't just like walk out from the beach you know a hundred yards Jesus walks on water for three to four miles walking on water. Sometimes we see those little pictures of Jesus and we think, man, you know, he took a couple steps and then Peter took a couple steps and then that's a cute story. Jesus for miles and miles is doing just the supernatural. I just wonder if he did it all the time whenever he was alone. <laughs> what did this guy do? Like, I don't know, he's on top of a mountain, He's like skips a rock across, the. I don't know, just what is this guy doing? He's wild. Three or four miles he's walking. Verse 25, shortly before um, dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. So before dawn, it's been evening, I mean, they've been out there all night. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out. And fear. Here's another little thing that we see a couple times in the Old Testament and also a couple times in the New Testament. We see a picture of God hovering over the waters. This is like Tohu Vavohu. Remember, we talked about creation when the Spirit hovers over the waters of creation. Here's the the Holy Spirit. They go, It's a ghost! Like, Oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it is. Is the Holy Ghost as he is coming over the waters. It's the same picture that we see whenever the, the, the waters flooded the earth. And like the dove was like the, like, the, like the spirit of God that hovered over the waters to see if God was going to provide for them. Uh, after the flood. It's like whenever Jesus gets baptized and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and hovers over the waters. And here we see, as it's all hitting the fan for the disciples, the Holy Ghost is now hanging out over the waters and he's coming to engage them. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, and do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And let's remember, these are rabbi students. These are Hebrew students. They're like, tell me to come because i got to be everywhere that you are. My eyes are fixed on you. I am locked in on you. Wherever you go, I go. Will you just tell me to come because this is my job to be wherever you are. So there's this hunger inside of Peter. If I need to get outside of this boat, I want to be where you are. There's something that I can feel from my son, and I love that my son now is in, our, is in our services now as he's moving into junior high school. But there's something inside of Judah that I can feel that he just wants to be like me. In those younger years, it was always monkey see, monkey do. If dad does it, I want to do it. And I want to say it like that, or I want to walk like that, or I want to talk like that. I, I know that he really wants his hair to be like this. Um, Laughter He wants to cuddle with his sisters the way that dad can cuddle with his daughters. He wants to to joke and to to engage in so many of the same ways that dad does. Peter, in the same way, he wants to be exactly like his rabbi. If you're doing it, I want to do it. Jesus, if you're doing it, just tell me. I'm ready, man. Tell me to come. And there's this urgency inside of Peter to do something epic, epic and miraculous, and to be just like his man. Man, if Jesus is doing it, I want to do it. You notice that Peter didn't ask for an intervention. He asked for an invitation. Jesus, don't stop the storm. Don't stop the waves. Just invite me to come out there with you because I want to do some stuff. I want to do this stuff with you. Don't stop it. Just help me. And I would just encourage you with this. Whatever you're going through, maybe there's some storms and some waves. Jesus, help me get through. The way is through, not out. The way is through marriage, not out of marriage. The way is through the winds and the waves and this hardship. Not just out. Jesus, just get us out of here. No, no, no. Not escapism. Jesus, help me get through this. Invite me into a deeper place with you. Come on, Jesus. Let's do this thing together. In verse 29, Jesus says, come. (laughs) Come, let's go. He says to Peter, so Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. Let's think about what's the boat in your life that might feel like a comfort zone and it might feel safe and it might feel like, man, this is, this is my pocket. This is where I play. This is my little playground. And out there it's scary. And out there you might get hurt. And the winds and the waves and the waters are wild. And I'm not sure if I'm cut out for that. During during our greeting time, Judah just grabs me. He's like, Dad, I want to tell you a story. So as he's telling me something, he says, I was with um, some, some friends. And we were at this thing watching fireworks this last week. And he says, I feel like God Tells me, he goes, I'm watching this family and the dad is playing with his kids and he's being fun and interactive. He says, I feel like God tells me, go tell this dad, you're a good dad. I just see you and I just think that you're playing with your kids and and I think that God likes that. And you should just hear that you're a good dad. Any dads out there, you just kind of want to hear that from time to time. We don't hear that very often, but man, would I love to hear you. Are doing it, man? You're a good dad. And so a little preteen boy gets a prophetic word from the Lord, and he goes, But I'm feeling like all of this stuff, you know, like, oh, I don't know, and I'm nervous, and should I do it? And he said, I just obeyed that voice, that Holy Spirit. So I walked up to this guy, and I said, Hey, I just want to tell you, I'm just watching you with your kids, and, and I think that you're a, you're a pretty good dad. Oh, man, thanks. Oh, yeah, it's great. Oh, that's cool. And he's like, okay you just kind of go and you just do your thing and it wasn't so i just wonder if it wasn't so much about the dad as it was about judah and jesus saying judah can i trust you with something really small and simple can you just start working through some obedience and flexing that obedience muscle and just getting strong and just hearing my voice and when you hear you obey i just want you to have an ear to hear and a heart to obey has nothing to do with this guy Has everything to do with um, you are you are a man of God in training. You are a rabbi student in training. Can you hear me? Maybe you don't even hear. Or what if you do hear, but you don't obey? I've done that too, and just that pit in your stomach is worse than the nervous feeling in your stomach. Oh, I wish I just would have done it. There's times when maybe God's saying, Hey, say that to the person at the grocery store. Hey, You need to to have a prophetic voice to your waitress right now. And as she comes up, just start start speaking, because I'm always speaking. I just really want to speak into her right now. Come on. Let's get out of the boat. Come and play. Come on. Let's come dance on the waves. Let's come play a little bit. Let's have some fun with this Christian life. Christianity is not good church attendance. Great job. You showed up. No, it's being like him. It's being like Jesus. Maybe there's a dream in your heart. Maybe there's a business inside of your spirit, and you just want to play it safe. I don't want to to risk it. I don't want to sink. Man, I'm good inside this boat. Can I tell you, the, the, the safest place is in the center of the calling of God. You might think you're safe in America, but if you're living outside of the call of God, you would be much safer in the Sudan following the call of God. Because he will take care of you whenever you're under the cleft, whenever you're under the shelter of the Most High. And so he's calling you, maybe, he's calling you out. He's saying, come on, let's go. What is it that you just don't quite want to risk? Is it ego? Is it, hey, he's been asking you to go to that person and ask for forgiveness for a long time, and you just won't obey. It's like, come on, man, there's a much better life out here. I also want to encourage you with this. If you're in the boat without Jesus... You're still in the storm or you can be on the waves in the storm and be with Jesus. your option either one you're still in the storm. I would just encourage you to be in the storm with Jesus and not hanging out in the boat with a bunch of other dummies all right we've got the 12 stooges here and you want to hang out with them whenever you've got the Son of God that's like dancing on the waves make sure that we're picking the right audience right so this is good stuff, but it's not easy, and it's scary stuff, but this isn't the place for fear, that you're like one step away from the adventure of your life, if we could just go for it. In verse 30, Peter shifts his eyes, and it says that when he saw the wind, he got afraid, and then he began to sink. And he cried out, "Lord, save me." Interesting that Peter didn't sink. He began to sink. Isn't that funny? Like, I'm going to sit on this ledge, but not really. I'm just going to begin to sit on it. (laughs) I'm not twerking, trust me. (laughs) This is probably how I'll twerk when I'm 80. Like, it's really slow. He didn't sink, but he began to sink, and something starts kind of happening inside of him. You know, as you see this moment of him beginning to sink, there was a guy that was on the boat with him another disciple. His name was James. James was a disciple. James was also a half brother of Jesus. James had kind of a front row view to so much stuff. James was kind of the main leader of the disciples. He goes, "I am James, I the judge," and he began to speak something. If there was a first among equals, it was probably James. James writes in his book, James chapter 1, he like leads with this. Verses 6, 7, and 8. He says this. He says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Such a person is double-minded, and they're unstable in all they do. You wonder if James had this moment in mind as he was watching Peter. Fascinating stuff, isn't it? Interesting the way that they spell doubt. It's like doubt, doubt. That's a weird way to spell doubt, right? But it comes from the same root word, which means double. It's the same word as. As double. Whenever you become double-minded, or as Peter became double-visioned, he started seeing two different things. He starts seeing the waves, and the water, and the wind, and worry, and he starts freaking out. His his inner man is starting to get get flustered. He's he's having a little freak-out moment. But he's also seeing Jesus. I'm beginning to sink, but not really, and I'm kind of twerking, but I don't know what I'm doing. And James says, man, don't, don't doubt. You're double minded. And you're unstable in all of your ways. You're like this guy that I've seen one time that was tossed around on the sea. It's crazy. It's wild this one night. And James begins to maybe give us a little peek of what he's talking about. But can I also say this that as Peter began to sink, Jesus did get him back up. Peter. We only see recorded one time that Jesus walked on water. Jesus walked on water once, recorded. Peter walks on water twice. <laughs> Jesus lifts him up, and then he walks back to the boat with Jesus. Is that fun? Oh, come on, that's fun. <laughs> Jesus, Peter walks on water twice. This is pretty cool. Could you imagine Peter like, retelling the story later? Like, guys, there's this one time at life group, Like our life group leader, he shows up late. But he comes like walking in on this like really trippy way that he came walking in. And then he says, come on out here and do it. And then I like did it with him. And like, oh man, then we like walked back to the pontoon. It was like crazy. (laughs) He could have a really cool story to tell for a while. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reaches out his hand. He caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Or why are you double-minded? Why do you have double vision? Jesus, who has no fear at all, just imagine his face, Jesus. I just wonder if even Jesus has a, has a smirk. I don't picture just this little frail, skinny Jesus. I picture a Jesus that looks like this. Jesus, in this picture, he just looks like a bad mamma jamma, doesn't he? He's like, come on, bring it in every step of water. The water, poof, poof. they're like, ah, the son of God. He's walking out. To this battleship. Oh, he looks good. He looks good. Like, watch me, boys. Just a little smirk on his face. I'm about to do something really, really neat. You'll be telling this story for a while. But where fear gets driven out, faith can just step into this place and do something really, really neat and really, really fun. Um, Yesterday, I took our kids to the Splash House. Got to see the, the Beals were there as well. We had the run of a place because when people think that it might rain, they stay inside. I don't know why you let the weather dictate your plans, because I like being outside. And so I'm like, I don't care, let's go. I mean, what are we going to do, get wet? <laughs> <laughs> so we go, and it's overcast, but it never rains. And so we go to the splash house. We ha- I mean, we never waited in line for any slide, anything. I mean, literally at the end, we're the only ones in the wave pool. I mean, we just had the place, literally, to ourselves. And so I'm doing one of these slides where you come zipping down and it spits you out into this toilet ball and you go kind of spinning around. You guys know what I'm talking about? Um, and it's it's kind of cool it, unless you like go down like this and then you're like getting banged around and you got to like stay in tight. So I'm trying to like stay in tight, but right at the end it spits you out. And you know how those big plastic pieces are like put together end on end and every one of those doesn't match up? And so you're going all the way down, and it's nicking my elbow. So I got my hands like this, it's going D-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d. And I don't know how fast you're going, 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour, I don't know. Maybe that's not even accurate. I don't know. 60, it's probably 60. Um, and just ha- taking nicks of plastic to your elbow for about seven or eight you know, seconds of I could hardly move my arm by the time it's done. I got a little bit of an egg right here. And on one of the rides, it is a little easier. It's a little softer. But it's in the shell. And I get going down. And I'm racing Nora. And I kind of want Nora to win. So I'm kind of like dragging myself so that she can like beat me down there. I literally get stuck. <laughs> I'm stopping. Because it doesn't just shoot you down. This one just kind of like this lazy little slide. And it's dark black in there. I'm like freaking out. Like, I understand if somebody has claustrophobia right now, they'd be freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to scoot, and I can't, and you're like. And I finally pop through, and Nora's sitting down there like this. (laughs) She gets her arms real big, like I'm just like so late to the party or whatever. And you know what? Whenever you're stuck, there was only one way, and it was, I gotta get through. There's no getting me. Out. I got to just get through even though it's painful and it's hurting and it's dark and even lonely I got to get through and the best way is to get through with him can we show that picture one more time just because that's a bad mamma jamma picture oh man I might get that tattooed on my neck <laughs> oh jeez, what do you think Ben It'd be a good one wouldn't it yeah <laughs> I like that guy and when they climbed into the boat the wind died down and those that were in the boat they worshiped truly you're the son of god peter what a wild man huh so what's the purpose of a miracle like this like jesus never does it again peter he never does it again that we have on record not just that jesus was powerful over nature or powerful over the winds and the waves i just think that he wants just to prove some faith just faith lessons can you trust me Can you come and be with me? And I'm putting some things inside of your belly and I really want you to start listening and hearing and acting upon some of these things. And so Peter, he was willing to put it on the line. Lord, if this thing is you, and you better make sure that it's God, not just a pizza dream that you had, like a for real idea that comes from the Lord. God, if this is you, I wanna do it. I wanna be like you. So we'll wrap with this. What's the water that you're looking at? What's the winds that are freaking you out? What's the boat? It's kind of comfortable. Who are the people that I'm surrounded with? What's the place that I need to launch and get out? I want some better stories, man. I want a better life of faith than just the current one that I'm living. Don't be afraid that a couple waves might slap you in the face along the way. Don't be afraid of getting wet. Failure comes with the territory of faith many times. It's almost like they kind of hang together because if you're going to live extreme, you might miss it a couple times. But Jesus' strong, mighty right hand will pull us up every time. What's our next step? What's your first step? What's your first step to get out of the boat? Because I believe that there's a pretty cool walk that he wants to take you on. And we see some different walks. There's a walk that's going to be rememberable for you if we'll just follow and trust in Jesus. Church, I just want to pray, and I want you to hold something specific inside of your heart. God, help me power through this first step. God, help build a confidence inside of me just to take a step of faith. You got it? You got that thing inside of your heart? What is it? He's been calling. He's been pushing that. He's, he's got his finger on that little piece right there. All right, we're just going to pray for a breakthrough. Would you all stand this morning as we close in prayer? Dear Jesus, we're asking you, God, that we would have faith and faith for our future as you're calling us into something. Maybe it's into a conversation, it's to a job, it's to a relationship. It's to a, to, a, to a big move in life. Whatever it is, God, we're just asking for faith to take the step and that you will meet us, that you are big, that you are faithful, and that you will help see us through. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.